don't want to say you're not thinking clearly because that makes us sound like we're like totally out of it and stuff. But if yeah. you try to do race math, you know that your brain's not firing on all cylinders, <laughs> right? Like, so you know something's a little bit like wonky in that moment. You're not going to respond to stressors in the best possible way in that moment. So if you have it kind of pre-planned out, like here's what if if my shoe comes untied, here's what I can do. It's not again, it's not anything groundbreaking, but giving yourself just the like, here's what I do, here's what I can say to myself in these situations. So you're not trying to come up with it in the moment. Because as soon as you start to ask your brain, like the middle <laughs> of your race, like, think positively, it's just like absolutely not. Like we're not gonna cooperate. Hey everybody, this is Nikki Tamarino, AKA one classy mother runner on Instagram. And you're listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast, the show that explores the why of running for people who love to run. Today, I'm inviting you to listen in to my conversation with mental performance coach, Shannon Mulcahy. Shannon is the founder of Mulcahy Performance Consulting, a company dedicated to training the mind for optimal performance. She has worked with clients ranging from world champion swimmers to amateur and professional triathletes, from runners to cyclists, coaches, collegiate teams, athletic departments, and even the military. Listen in to learn what we can do to calm race nerves, how we can get the most out of workouts that we hate, and why radical honesty is necessary after a bad race. You don't want to miss this one. And guys, after the episode, don't forget to like, follow, and review the show to help us grow so I can continue to bring you content that will help you run inspired. Now let's get started. All right. So today we are with Shannon Mulcahy. Did I do it right? Yes. Ah! Okay. Um, And I am really, really excited to have you on the show today because you are somebody that I have been following and I've been getting your newsletters for gosh I don't maybe two years now and I just find you super interesting I think what you do is really interesting um so with that can you uh just briefly tell everyone what it is you do and uh a little bit about yourself yeah well thank you for having me um I yeah so as you said Shannon Mulcahy um I am a sports psychology well, sports psychology consultant or mental performance coach. Um, I like to kind of give the disclaimer whenever I'm, you know, either on a podcast or kind of introducing this to people that sports psychology is in its most general, it's helping people train their mind. In sports psychology, you can kind of have two different branches where the sports psychologist is going to be a little bit more in the traditional clinical side of things, working with athletes. And then the sports psychology consultant or mental performance coach, which is what I fall under. We are helping athletes more with the performance side of sport and what's going on in their mind. And it's something that's not very well distinguished because we all kind of fall under the same umbrella name. But like, so I went through training officially in sports psychology, but I'm not a clinical psychologist. So I can't help athletes with things like depression, clinical anxiety, which is where that big line is. And it's actually kind of like a big thing that we Uh can't cross over, but we all fall under the umbrella name, which is why a lot of us use mental performance coach or mental skills trainer. But then what happens is because that title is not really like owned by us, then you can get just anybody calling themselves that, which is really kind of tricky as a field and as a profession. But Mm -hmm. it is important to know for people that are very, you know, haven't been exposed to the field or don't know much, which 
I mean, I didn't even until I went to grad school and understanding it all. Yeah. Um, but it can be kind of tricky because like a random stranger on the internet can just be like, hey, I, I do this and have like zero credentials in the slightest, which is yeah. a little bit frustrating. Yeah, and so to clarify a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. so a sports psychologist would deal with somebody who say, um, you know, we hear a lot about professional athletes who once they retire, kind of get depressed because mm -hmm. they've identified so much with being this particular kind of athlete. Um, they would deal with something like that, whereas you would deal more with like, um, you know, before a race, how do we get mm -hmm. mentally ready um, and calm our nerves and, you know, so that we could execute like at the best, you know, and perform the best that we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. uh, a really helpful thing for people, um, again, just I, I didn't know this and it is very helpful to have. It's a sports psychologist is they're the same as a psychologist. The really cool thing about them is that they're kind of specific to athletes. So instead of going to just like a physical therapist, you can find one who specializes in working with runners or working with like athletes as opposed mm -hmm. to general. Right. Kind of what like a sports psychologist, it's more traditional psychology, but it's going to be, you know, specific to athletes and maybe some of their experiences. Right. Whereas, yeah, what I fall under is more how do you, you know, hit your workouts better? How do you perform better in races? And there is a little overlap with some stuff and we collaborate well, but yeah, it's just something that not many people really know yeah. to provide that piece of. <laughs> no, I'm really glad you clarified it. Um, and because I, you know, looking at your, when I did look at your website, I saw that you were, you know, you identified as a consultant and I was, I, I did have a little bit of a question there. So I appreciate you explaining that. It makes a lot of sense. And um, most of the people listening are going to fall into the category of, you know, wanting to hear from someone like you and not, <laughs> most of us aren't professional athletes. So, um, I'm sure that you have a lot of, um, interest, a lot of clients and a lot of people need what you do. So that's, um, that's very cool. Um, so I, to get started before we get too far in, I just want to do a really quick, um, 20 questions maybe not even 20, just to get to know you outside of, um, outside of this, just to get, just to get to know a little bit about Shannon. Um, so I'm just going to ask you really quick questions. You can just say, you know, short answers, whatever. It doesn't have to be long. Okay. So first, this is going to be fun. Don't worry. It's not hard. <laughs> texting or talking? On the phone, texting. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite day of the week? Monday. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? I I don't I think I kind of like like the new beginning aspect of it. Mm. And the like starting not starting over, but you kind of if the, if the previous week wasn't fantastic or various things, it's like a little little reset. If yeah. I, I have like a whole Monday morning ritual, so it's really like I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you re reset. That's a good word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Refresh. I like it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um is there a nickname your parents used to call you? Uh, Shanny. <laughs> Shanny, okay, cute, yeah. Um, how about your favorite holiday? I don't love holidays very much. Oh, really? I don't. <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, here's a good, oh, this is so relevant right now. <laughs> Taylor Swift is blank. Taylor Swift, did you say, Phil, like, is? Yeah, Taylor Swift is. And then fill in. Oh like, God, I feel like I'm pretty indifferent on her. Okay, 
whatever. She's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Take it or leave it. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. What at what age do you want to retire? I feel like you're asking questions that I feel like I should have like thought about. I have no, 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 no. These are like, to, this is the point. <laughs> I don't know. To catch you off guard. <laughs> Whatever right. happens. I like my job. Okay. Um, all right. Last one. First celebrity crush. Ooh, probably sync. Someone. Someone from there. <laughs> all of them. Any, any one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. So um, thanks for playing along with that. Uh, that's always fun to do. Um, all right, so let's get back to kind of what you do and a little bit more about um, how you help people. So we talked a little bit about your qualifications, um, what you do and who you work with, but um, so why, how did you get into this? Like, why is this important to you? Yeah, so I, I grew up as a competitive swimmer and when I was 15 or 16, somewhere in high school, I started having a lot of anxiety before some meets started to bleed into practice and I just, my mind was in a really not great place. And I did not know that anything like this existed. And I just, I knew I was struggling and I didn't know what help to ask for. I didn't know that I could ask for help. Like I just didn't really know. It didn't seem like my teammates were going through the same things that I was, which is I think part of why it also felt hard to ask for help or just say, hey, something's going on. Um, eventually I did talk to my coach about what was happening and he gave me a book, a sports psychology book. And that in itself was just kind of this like, wait, this is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not just broken. <laughs> and that that moment itself, it, it taught me one that, yeah, like this this exists. Other people do go through this, whether they talk about it or not. Other people are going to have anxiety around races. Other people are going to struggle with confidence, uh, but also that there's something that I can do about it. Mm. So some stuff in the book was very helpful. Some stuff was not, um, but it kind of was just a like, I can make change. It does. It's not going to always be like this because at the time I was like, this is the rest of my life, I guess. Like I didn't know that it was possible to, to kind of change your mindset and work with it and train it. And so having that experience in that moment, um, it kind of was like, hey, this is something I'm really interested in. I just kept reading more and more and was like, I don't want other people to feel that way. So I, you know, as soon as I learned that you could like study it, get a master's degree and all that, I was like, sign me up. This is great. It's really fun. I can nerd out on it. But then I can also help other people to maybe not experience the same things that I had to. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you think that the, like, I guess it's fairly recent shift in, um, what it means to be tough or like that kind of thing has kind of helped your profession because it's not, it feels like we're going away from the, like, just suck it up and do it to like a little bit more having a little bit more self-compassion. So I'm wondering if when you were growing up, if maybe you grew up in kind of the more hearing messages, like to be tough, you just kind of like muscle through it, but what your profession and what kind of uh, you're doing is teaching people this mindset that we're now all kind of being made more aware of. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so for sure. And I, I still run into some coaches that will maybe say one thing, do another, but I, I definitely see some people that are more in that, like you need to be tough and push through. And then what happens is when I, and it's, I'll say it's usually more so when I'm, <laughs> excuse me, working with like college teams where I'm working with the team athletes, like, and coaching staff to get that, you know, all of that. Um, 
but I see that from some of the coaches. And then it's, it's a lot of times those players that not just are struggling more, but are more hesitant to reach out and, and have that conversation with their coach about, I need some more resources or something's not really working for me because they're expecting the coach to be like, toughen up and push through. And so mm. when, we're, when we have that, like just kind of space <laughs> and we understand mm-hmm. that it's okay to not feel perfect 100% of the time, that nerves are super normal before a race, like just even knowing those things, I think yeah. helps a lot of people, even if they're not hiring a sports psychology professional, they're more willing to like read blog posts about it and like read a book or listen to a podcast or just do something that's going to kind of get the ball rolling for them. Yeah. And so here's a question that I have. Um, If you're, so how do you know when to push harder? Like you're just like, kind of like, you know, kind of giving up or giving in and and when it's really enough and you need to like kind of show that like self-compassion and be like, okay, like I've done all that I can do. Like, how do you, how do you find that line and be like, should I push harder and I'm just not being tough enough or, you know, no, this is, this is all I have. Like, how do you, how do you find that line? Yeah, that's a very tricky question because it's going to depend on each person, which is so much of sports psychology. I feel like every podcast I go on, I'm answering everything. It's like, well, it kind of depends. Yeah. Um, that's very helpful when you have a coach and someone who can look at the data and be able to kind of look at it like from the metric side of things and be very objective. Mm. We are not objective about ourselves in the slightest. Like we're horrible at being objective. So we're just, our, how we're seeing things is a little bit skewed. So when, when we're not sure and we have someone else who's not us, who can be like, no, I think you really were like at your red line, like you couldn't have pushed harder or, hey, it probably can do a little bit more and can kind of show you like the evidence almost the why Mm -hmm. that that can help. Maybe not so much in the moment, but like if we're looking back on things, that type of information can be very helpful, especially when it's just coming from like someone who's not not you. Um, If you don't have a coach and you're really trying to do it yourself, unfortunately, it might be just like trying to be like radical self-honesty about Mm -hmm. how things are, which is a lot harder (laughs) than people think. But some of it's, we're trying to convince ourselves and sell ourselves the story that like, no, I pushed as hard as I could. And if a lot of times, like deep down, you actually know the answer. You you typically know more than what your brain's trying to tell you. I love that. That was part of, that was, that's, it's so true. And to, and to have that evidence, you're right. That is super helpful. And a lot of us do with the tracking, the way we track ourselves now, we probably do have some of that evidence, but even looking at it, um, yourself and not having that objective, like point of view, you're right. You kind of get in your head and, and tell yourself that story. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so we talked a little bit about your athletic background and right now, are you athletic? Do you still compete in different events or anything? What do you do now currently? Uh, mostly I still swim. I've kind of ebbed and flowed from different sports. Um, I've kind of bounced around between like running, triathlon, cycling, swimming, mm-hmm. all of those. It kind of changes year to year based on, I don't even know what, but right now yeah. I'm in a little bit of a, a swimming kick. Um, so that's what we're working on this year. Where, okay. So this is off the side, but like where, indoor, where are you swimming? <laughs> like just like a, lo- a gym, like pool, like what, like is that doing laps or something? Yeah, so I I'm also a swim coach in the evenings um, at the YMCA that's close to my house. So mm-hmm. I swim there indoors, like during maybe like October to April, and then in the other months the outdoor pools open up. 
um, so I can go swim outside, which is far more fun. <laughs> do you do any like open water swimming? Yeah, not really okay. around Maryland because all of the lakes are closed for safety reasons, which is a whole oh other is yeah. a whole other topic. It's a little challenging to uh, open water swim around here, but I will do races when they have them. I love open water races. It's just hard to train in open water. What about like a Tough mutter type thing? I've never done that. I don't know if I would want to do that or not. I've never put much thought into it. I it just I, when we were talking about open water swimming, it just made me think of it because <laughs> I'm thinking of like the mud and the water there. And then there's like one part where you jump into like an ice like mm. pit and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh anyway that's what popped into my mind so um how do you use like are you able to kind of do this for yourself like how do you use what you've learned for yourself you know now um and are yeah like are you able to kind of coach yourself mentally some days it's harder than others i'll say that for sure um but i so i with my clients i have an online like portal essentially where they can all like I add them all as a client and I can send them like weekly check-ins and like a daily training log to fill out and activities I've added myself as a client so I will fill I get the email it's like hey fill out your you know your training journal so I do mm -hmm. that and then I when I do my kind of like review of the check-ins in the morning I'll go in and kind of read my own and I know that it's myself but I still try to look at it as objectively as I can which helps and it helps to kind of review some of it like the next day or several days later where I'm not still feeling those same emotions and like in it. Right. Um, I know that I can't be totally impartial about things, but I try to just do the same things that I would for any of my clients, essentially. Like if I know what what helps them and what's going to work, why not, you know, use the same stuff for myself? Yeah. And that's so interesting. You're talking about like looking at it a couple of days later because you're so right. Like it's so funny how like one even from an hour to the next hour your like whole like mood and everything can change and like one hour you'll just be like oh this is terrible like and then you never know like the next hour you could totally be like out of it so oh, yeah makes a lot of sense um all right so moving on to like some general like client questions like what are some key tips that you give to your clients do you have any that like you give to every client they just kind of like come up over and over again yeah, so I, I start a lot with self-awareness and building that, whatever that's going to look like for each person. And the tricky thing with self-awareness is that I feel like everybody feels like they have it. <laughs> some people have more than others, but it, it it's always just having an understanding and some self-awareness about really where are your thoughts, what are some of those thought patterns and getting clear on those things, which is why I'm a really big advocate for writing stuff down or typing it out now. But just putting it somewhere so you can go back and look at it. Um, but like, if you've had a really good workout, as soon as it's done, like jot down some of your thoughts during that workout. How did you feel beforehand? What were you thinking beforehand? How, like what was going on during it? Do the same thing if you had a really bad workout. And you can start to notice sometimes patterns where I know I see a lot of people, a lot of runners hate tempo runs, super mm -hmm. valid, I don't love them either. But a lot of people, yeah, like <laughs> everyone's like, nope, not a fan of that. Mm -hmm. But what they'll start to notice when they're like kind of tracking stuff and paying attention on purpose to their thoughts, sometimes they're thinking about their tempo run like days in advance. 
yeah. like, all day about they're running in the evening. Like they're spending all day the previous day thinking about it. And then during the run, they're like, why does this suck so much? Like, why can't you <laughs> be in the right place? Like, well, you just spent the last like 24 plus hours talking about how much you hate it. It's going to stop hard. But if I were to ask you that up front, you're like, no, I haven't been, you know, bad talking. This is so it's just kind of tracking some stuff. And it's sometimes it's as common as like, hey, just keep like a thought journal for a week. Um, but the more we can develop that awareness, that's a really great place to start because then we can start to pinpoint, okay, well, you were starting, you know, the negative self-talk around this several days in advance. So we need to start targeting several days in advance as opposed to just like a pre-workout routine, say. It kind of allows you to understand what you need to work on and how to do it. Okay, so let's just keep going with that because I'm 100% familiar with that scenario and I think most of us are. It was just so, uh, so on, on point. But Okay, so what do you do when it's a couple days before and you start to think about it? Like, how do you fix that? Yeah, so I will tell that person, like, again, write down what are the thoughts? What are you, how, like, what's going on in your mind? It doesn't matter how negative it is. Like, don't lie about it. That's the other thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to write it down. Right? They're like, um, like, how much have you had to drink this month? Various questions. You're like, um, I'm going to, uh, like, adjust that. You know, you feel like you need to lie, even if you're like, I go to the doctor and they'll be like, you know, do you have, you know, how much do you drink a month? And I'm like, I don't at all. I have like one glass of wine a month. But I still feel like I'm being, you know, like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Key so people's kind of get like, okay, I don't want to actually say all of my negative thoughts. Just put them all out there. See yeah. where they're at. And then you can look at, are your thoughts helping you? Yes or no. And a lot of times they're not. But it framing it in that perspective allows you to get clear on like, wow, I can see how much thinking this way is not helping me. Mm -hmm. Because we get really caught sorry, in um, trying to think positively. If you hate tempo runs, you can think as positive as you want. You're still not going to like it. Yeah. But is the goal to like the tempo run or to get it done as effectively as possible? So right. switching more to how can I think in a way that's going to help me accomplish this task that I have to do? And that's going to depend on you. Like you're going to have to kind of answer those questions for yourself. But I have a lot of clients in triathlon who hate swimming. They hate open water. And so that's a big thing. And they're like, I didn't realize that I can just still keep hating it. Like, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you like it or not, but right. you have to do it. So how yeah. can you get through it almost like as painlessly as possible? Right. Um, so th that's kind of cool to see people have that shift and be able to like, oh, so maybe if it is a few days out, you're being, hey, this is, these are my thoughts. This is what I'm, what's going on. And I can reframe this to something that's more effective of, I might not like this run, or I might not like this type of workout, but I know that doing something that's really uncomfortable and that I don't like is going to help when I'm on race day and I only have, you know, 40 minutes left or something or whatever. And, you know, it's starting to really hurt and it feels like it, I can draw from that tempo mm -hmm. run and go, I know I can do this, even though it feels terrible or, you know, whatever that is. But then over the next however many hours essentially before your tempo run, you try to every single time you have those really unproductive thoughts, you reframe them to the ones that are more productive and that are going to be more helpful. So instead of just like one time telling yourself, like, you can do this or like, it's this is how it's going to be better for you. You want to catch it and start to reframe those thoughts. So you're essentially training your mind to think in a way that is more helpful for you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just having that permission that I don't have to like it is huge. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. What about, okay, so sometimes what I do, I, I don't know if this is a technique or not, but what works for me, but I'll be like, 
one, I'm very good at, um, God, you probably know the technical word, but disassociation. So I can like turn my brain off. I'll just mm-hmm. be, I'll either distract it or I'll just be like, shut it down. Um, but when it gets to it, I'll be like, all right, all I have to do is the warm up. I'll, and then I'll take it like, I'll do the warm up. And then I'll be like, just worry about your very first like tempo mile. And if that mm-hmm. seems overwhelming, I'll be like, all right, just do like a half mile at your tempo pace and like kind of taking it like one like step at a time. Is that a technique that, you know, it, it seems to help other people? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how much that would help several days in advance. It might, it's mm-hmm. super going to depend on each person, but that's actually a really common technique we use for like longer things. Um, you know, again, sometimes coming more in a sport like ultra running or Ironman where those races are 10, 20 hours, like that's a very different endeavor than even a marathon. Sorry, marathon. Yes. <laughs> it's just, you're not running like hey. a 15 hour marathon. It yeah, just yeah. is what it is. But even still, standing at the start line of a half marathon, a marathon, it feels really daunting sometimes. Even a 10K or 5K. Like I know when I run a 5K, I break it up into each mile because that's what's easiest for my brain to manage. Because if you think about running at that intensity for three miles, because you're running obviously really hard if it's a 5K, it feels like you can't always do it. So breaking it into smaller, more manageable chunks, whatever you're doing can be super helpful. And even if you're, you know, you're doing a run and you're like, I don't know if I can hold this pace or I don't like, I'm just super not in it. You can give yourself that like, okay, just run to the next mile marker or run to the stoplight and then reevaluate kind of just, again, just breaking it into those smaller pieces. Super, super helpful. Yeah. That that's what's worked for me in the past. And I'm definitely going to try the like writing stuff down and uh, see, I'd be interesting to see what I'm actually thinking. (laughs) Kind of scared, but (laughs) try it. Face it, guys, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking the whole house up. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code MRWH12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Okay, so what do you think is the most difficult ob- uh, obstacle for for like most clients? Is it that negative uh, talk, kind of reframing that stuff? Yeah, I mean, on a, this is probably not the answer anybody's looking for, but to be very honest, it's it's the consistency of doing anything. Um, because we expect, unfortunately, that there's going to be this kind of like light bulb moment where it just like, I think positively now, I think that's just not how it's going to work. A lot of people have, and it's not on purpose. They're not like deliberately thinking this way, but we kind of have this like, oh, I learned how to reframe my thoughts. So I'm never going to think negatively again. And that's just, it's something that unfortunately we're going to always kind of deal with. And it's, I explain it to people. It's so similar training your mind is so similar to training your body and that you're not going to go out and do one run and then instantly be like, 
so much fitter. Like I can, I can do all this stuff now doing like one mindset exercise is not going to cure everything. It's not going to fix everything. It's something that you have to keep working at. And a lot of times the, the progress is invisible, especially because it's not really quantifiable. So it's really hard to keep putting in that work. So while, yeah, I, I would say like more specifically, I think self-talk is probably the biggest issue because it really bleeds into every type of skill and sport. It's more showing up and doing that work really consistently. That's probably the thing that people struggle with the most. No, that, that was a really good answer because it's not where I was thinking, but you're right. Like, and people need to know um, that it's not like a quick fix. You don't, you know, switch one thought and then you're like fixed. So it makes sense, but it's also like one of those things where you like need to remind people of that, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I also, um, I'll just say this quickly. Like I explain it to people. Like if you're, if you are working out, I, I go with strength training cause it's typically the one that leads to like the most like physical changes to your like physical appearance changes. You right. don't often notice when your body is changing because you see it every single day. So other people might be like, hey, you've like built some muscle. And you're like, I did. Like, and eventually you do start to notice those things, but that's where like progress photos can help. And you're like, wow, like, no, I actually have changed because you see yourself every day. It's just not noticeable. Training your mind is similar again in that way of you're just not really noticing it on the day to day. And I get a lot of clients who like at the end of a season or will all of a sudden be like, whoa, I, this thing where I, it would have been totally different six months ago. Like now I had the big aha moment and can see how much has changed, but right. on the day to day, we just don't notice stuff as much. Right. Yep. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Okay. So you're, you're a swimmer. I'm a runner, but I mean, you do a, a lot of different sports, but just trying to like, are there different challenges between the sports? Like, are, can you give some examples of like a challenge that someone like a runner would have that like another sport wouldn't have or another sport? Like, how are they different? Yeah, um, they definitely are more similar than people would think in that okay. we all like, and I'll touch on the differences in a second, but like at the end of the day, we're all people. <laughs> So we're all struggling with confidence and comparing ourselves to other people and previous results. And like all of those same things are happening. The causes of them might be a little bit different. Like in a team sport, it's going to like lacrosse is going to be different than running just because there's other people on the field. There's so right. much more out of your control. So like those types of things are going to be different, but truly at the end of the day, like we're all struggling with the same types of things when it comes to more of a performance side of things, a sport like running, it's a lot easier to just kind of, I don't want to say set it and forget it, but a lot of people with running are like, how am I going to stay interested in this race that's several hours long versus something like, and uh, you know, a lot of marathon training or running training is kind of boring, if you will, like in that it, you're just kind of out there grinding miles out by yourself or you're with someone else. Whereas some, like a sport like mountain biking, you can't turn your brain off or you're going to crash. Right. So you have to have like, amazing focusing skills and not not just focusing but being able to recognize when your thoughts are wandering and bring them back to the task at hand because again if you're not paying attention to what you're doing there's so much stuff that you're trying to navigate you could crash or get into your like a not great situation and the better you get at it the more automatic it becomes for sure but like most of the people that i know who have crashed while mountain biking it's kind of because their thoughts went somewhere else really quickly and they just they made a mistake or sometimes there is like 
you know, a weird thing on the trail that pops up or something like that. But a lot of times it'll just be like, I just didn't see this rock. And then my front wheel slid out. And that's not something that runners deal with. Trail runners a little bit, but it's typically for running, it's more the enduring side of things. And how do we, how do we push through when things are hard? We're not really worrying about, you know, or even like, again, kind of sticking with mountain biking for a second, the, the trails are single track. So you, there's not really space to pass people. So in running, you can just kind of go wherever someone slow is in front of you. The person who starts out the 5k in the front, who should have been, you know, six lines back, <laughs> you get around them. Yeah. You can just go around them in a sport like mountain biking, the trail's only wide enough for one bike really to go through. So if someone's right behind you and say you're like, that makes you nervous having someone riding really close to you, you have to stay focused on what you're doing. You can't worry about that person who's breathing down your neck and then you need to get around you and that's your competitor. And like, it, there are a lot of differences. Yeah. So that is actually really fun for me to kind of play around with, <laughs> get to hear from everybody's different things. But <laughs> I don't know if we'll see this, but like my jaw has been like open <laughs> the entire time that you're talking about mountain biking because yeah, it kind of really puts things into perspective for runners. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's it. We are dealing with our own mental challenges, but we're not dealing with like that danger aspect of it. It could be a lot more stressful. I can tell you, I would not want to have that kind of stress. My attention span would need a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So how do like, I'm just curious, like, how do you even help someone pay attention? Like how, what, like, can you give me an example of like an exercise you do to help them focus? Yeah. So, um, I, I actually give this to pretty much all of my clients, but, um, a really good exercise is it's kind of a form of, of meditation as well, but just essentially you're like going to close your eyes and breathe and you're going to, your goal Oh, in air quotes, the goal is to count to 10. However, you have to restart your counting every time you notice that your thoughts have wandered. So even though the goal is to reach 10, nobody reaches like four. <laughs> like, anytime I do this with a group, if anybody says they reached like eight, nine or 10, I'm like, okay, I know you're lying because you're, you're set up to fail. But it really is so that you have the practice of catching that your thoughts have wandered and then bringing them back. And it's really easy to bring them back to either the number that you're counting or just like your breath, something very simple, but it's training yourself to have that awareness and bringing it back. And that's something you can really do. I would say almost everywhere, like probably not driving perhaps, right. but you know, it's something you can do like super easily yeah. even in line at the grocery store of just kind of catching that and bringing it back. Most mindset exercises are very short. They're, they're not, you know, it's not like you're out, for a three hour run and also separately doing a three hour like mindset training or it's yeah. very, very short stuff that you can implement. Um, but when it comes to things like focus in terms of out on trail and in performance, a lot of that is understanding like your stress levels and your like, it, you have to be very, very in tune with yourself. It's kind of wild. It's very crazy to like experience, to be honest. That's intense. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about it. Like I'm going to be thinking about that all day. I, and the, there's uh, the mind exercises. I mean, that the counting to 10, you could do that on a run. Mm -hmm. Just keep bringing yourself back. Mm -hmm. that, that would work well on an easy run. That's like a good exercise. Um, <clears throat> so you, you answered both my questions, which were how do we struggle the same and how are we a little different? Um, so I want to talk a little bit more specifically about runners, though. So um, how do you help? 
mentor like someone before a big race or a workout? Are there some, I mean, obviously say we've been working on, you know, a couple days before and our thoughts and stuff like that. Are there any things that you can do that day, that morning to help you kind of like calm your nerves and get into like a, you know, whatever state is the best state, which I don't even know what's the best mental state for running. <laughs> I mean, cause you hear all the time, like uh, nerve race nerves are good. Um, mm -hmm. But can you talk a little bit about like where we want to be mentally and how do we get there? Yeah, no, that's a great question because the answer is going to be, it depends for everybody. But um, what's really important with that is I, I will see people and I know that I kind of nitpick, but I'll see coaches and people say like, this is how you want to feel before a race. It is not the same for everybody. So you have to figure out how you need to feel before not just a race, but that type of race. So as someone like myself, who's done a number of different sports and even within swimming, I've done, you know, very short races that might last like 30 seconds up to, I've done a four hour swim out in open water. So those are very different in every capacity. Like it's just very different. Same thing with running. A 5k is different than a marathon. The energy and mental state you want to be in before a 5k or like even a one mile versus a marathon is probably a little bit different. There's probably similarities, but they're not exactly the same. So mm -hmm. really kind of looking at, are you a person who performs best when you feel calmer before your race? Do you like to feel really like hyped up and amped up? What works best for you? And in, in sports psychology, we kind of look at it as like, there's this optimal zone. And on the one side of that, you can be like too amped up and you're the person who is anxious and you are like, you're not just have some nerves, but you have a lot of nerves. You maybe are like nauseous and jittery and your thoughts are racing and you're all over the place. And maybe you're even dreading, you know, doing this race. That's too much. That's what, that's what we call too much. And we're trying to bring it back. So you're trying to calm down a little bit right. versus the other side of that is you're too calm and you, we need to like kind of wake you up a little bit and you maybe need like pump up music and you need to bring your energy up. So right. there's going to be different tools and things for each each side of it, but it's it's really step one is identifying where you need to be and then what's going to help you get to that place. Okay. So somebody, I, I get the person who is all amped up and over to the one side, way, way too nervous. Like that's obviously zapping your energy. Mm -hmm. But this other person who's like super calm, zen, like they meditated in the corral, whatever, mm -hmm. like how is that um, like counterproductive to what we want to do? How can that like, you know, mess with your performance? Yeah. So that person might be just kind of disengaged with what's going on. And maybe when it starts to hurt, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. all races eventually start to hurt, maybe they're just like, meh, like I don't really care. And they're just pretty kind of checked out. And I have, I've actually been that person at a race before. I used to have really bad anxiety and going into my second Ironman, I was, I was like, I'm going to meditate all the time. And I was way too like calm beforehand. And I couldn't really get into like race mode. And it just felt like another day. And I was like, how am I, how am I out here doing an Ironman right now? And I almost feel like I don't care. That's yeah. not good. That's not going to help me. And so that was a really big, okay like a lot of times people that are experiencing a lot of that anxiety, they'll, they'll do kind of what I did and they'll try to really rev down and then they rev down too much. And so it's yeah. figuring out on that gauge where, where is going to be best for you. And there might, 
there was a period of time where I said I would rather be disengaged than feel the anxiety that I felt. And that was a kind of a choice that I made and knew until I could find that sweet spot for myself. But yeah, it's like if you're if you're running a 5K and it's, you know, you're at like mile two and you're like, it's burning. And then you're like, it doesn't matter. Like, no big deal. Like, it's going to skip to the end. Yeah. Like that, that's not really helpful either. That's so that I love that you're like, wow. Cause I mean, I feel like I've been there like recently. I think that I did a lot of races and I think I did exactly that. Like the past few races, I'm like, I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to go out there and have, and it was in an attempt to calm that anxiety and like not feel like that. But then what ended up happening is you're right. When it got hard, I was just like, I'm just going to high five everyone and have a good time. And I did, I had a great time. Like it served its purpose, but then I'm like scared. I'm like, how do I get back to a place where I can PR again? Because now I'm on this side and I'm like, you know, I, there was a time where I was like, you know what, I'm done like PRing, you know, this wasn't too long ago. And I'm like, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to do all the marathons. I'm not going to be strategic. I'm not going to rest or recover because I'm just going to have fun. Um, but now I'm in a place where I'm like, you know what, realizing that, you know, that's where I am and like, all right, trying to get back to like some middle ground where I can compete again, but, um, you know, not have that anxiety. So that's super helpful to know and, and hear that that's like, that is one side of it as well, which I feel like can happen if you get burnt out. Right. I mean, like if you get burnt out and you're like, mm -hmm. you're just kind of like, whatever, like I'm over it type yeah, thing. So, sure. um, let's see. Oh God, this is okay. What advice do you have for runners after a bad race or a bad run? How do we pick ourselves back up and get back out there racing? Yeah. The um, advice that I feel like every single coach is going to yell at me for saying is uh, let, let yourself be upset for a little bit because you worked really hard. I'm assuming you worked hard at this thing for likely several months. If most people are like in a traditional training cycle type of situation. So you put in months of time to work for this goal, sometimes even longer. You know, I've had people that are training for a specific goal for years and they miss it. Oh. Let yourself be frustrated and upset about that. I mean, publicly be presentable, like don't cause a scene. Um, it's a separate conversation, but like, <laughs> I think, I think it is okay to take some time, put a time limit on that. We don't want to wallow for months and months and months, but I, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of like someone has a bad race and you see all the Instagram comments are like, it's okay. It's not, and it's all this stuff trying to cheer this person up and tell them it's okay. And that person feels like their feelings are being minimized. So like, no, I'm mm. on the front. Like I'm upset about this. So let yourself experience that disappointment. And sometimes that feeling can help you with moving forward. But when we're trying to hide from that feeling and just move through it, it, it kind of messes stuff up later on and kind of affects how we're reflecting on the race because we're not being honest to them because we didn't let ourselves go through that normal like emotional process. Yeah. Um, so let just like let yourself be disappointed. I would say several days later, several days, a week to how much time you need to kind of just check away from it, then kind of go back and look at what happened. And that oh, can yeah. be something that you, you did wrong. That can be weather that can be, there's so many things that are going to affect a race, but start to look at like, what are the things that went well? What are the things that did not go well? What can we do from it? What did we learn from it? I always, every single year I get people who are really, really like devastated after insert marathon that was warm weather 
<laughs> I get it. I I get it so much. <laughs> but our emotions kind of cloud our judgment. And so even though intellectually they know that the weather played a big part in it, they're like, I didn't have a PR and now it's been this many like months or it's been this much time and my whole training cycle was a waste. And we need to get to the point where we're going, your, tra your training was great. It was not your training. You don't need to do more. You don't need to insert X, Y, and Z. You just had some bad luck with some kind of crappy weather and it was abnormally warm. That has nothing to do with you. Mm. And so it's, some of it is kind of looking at, did you skip a lot of training that you weren't supposed to? And that's, again, some radical self-honesty of maybe I didn't do things the way I was supposed to, but that's being able to go through the emotional process, but then start to look at things a little bit more objectively when our feelings have maybe died down a little bit, which yeah. I know takes some time to get to that point, but being yeah. able to like, okay, well, this is, this is where I'm at and I'm okay if I did some things that weren't perfect because not getting a PR doesn't mean that I failed and that I'm a failure. So some of it is kind of reframing a relationship with failing as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's that like, it, almost like you just giving permission to people to like yeah. feel how they're feeling for a little while and not forcing them to like feel another way and just be like, all right, so have your, have your time and it all makes sense and understandable, but then, then taking some time to process it after your feelings have died down. So yeah. awesome. Um, let's see, how does our mental preparedness or lack thereof impact performance? So, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about that because we were talking about if you're too amped up and then if you're like depressed, that's another side of it. Um, do you have any more comments on, on like the importance of doing that mental training? Cause I don't think not enough people do it. I think they focus on the physical and then they kind of let their mind be whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, is there anything else you can say about like the importance of it? And, and it, you know, it's, it's really doesn't sound like it takes all that much time. It's just awareness, right? Of being like aware of your thoughts. Yeah. So um, one thing that I work with a lot of people on and kind of will, will say to people is you want to like intentionally plan your thoughts, which sounds a little bit weird up front but if you again going back to say it's a tempo run or say it's a race that maybe it's a tune-up race or you're just like not sure giving yourself maybe it's keywords maybe it's mantras or just straight up instructional type thoughts of like hey when if someone so passes you and that causes you stress like just stay looking forward it doesn't have to be anything like a revolutionary thought but giving yourself things to think about hmm. it removes your, the op, it, it removes the possibility of your brain just kind of going rogue. So a lot of us have been in a race where maybe things are going great. And then I don't insert something kind of goes wrong or, you know, whatever. And our brain's just like, Ooh, I'm going to start doing this now. And you're like, what the <laughs> heck? like our brains just go sideways. That is really, really hard to bring yourself back because when you are racing, like the the stress on your body and your mind of racing, you're not thinking, I don't want to say you're not thinking clearly because that makes us sound like we're like totally out of it and stuff. But if yeah. you try to do race math, you know that your brain's not firing on all cylinders, <laughs> right? Like, so you know something's a little bit like wonky in that moment. You're not going to respond to stressors in the best possible way in that moment. 
So if you have it kind of pre-planned out, like here's what, if, if my shoe comes untied, here's what I can do. It's not, again, it's not anything groundbreaking, but giving yourself just the like, here's what I do. Here's what I can say to myself in these situations. So you're not trying to come up with it in the moment. Because as soon as you start to ask your brain, like, the middle of the race, like think positively, it's just like, absolutely not. Like, we're not going to cooperate. So don't even give it that option. And it's not that you have to have every single thought for like three and four hours and five hours, like planned out. But it's yeah. just like, hey, for maybe the first five miles of this race, we're going to be we're just going to enjoy the environment. Right. And that's all you're like, OK, cool. That's all I'm doing. And then the next like 10 miles, this is what I'm doing. It's you don't have to overdo it, but just kind of sometimes having that preparedness eliminates kind of just your brain going rogue on you. God, I, I love you. You're great. I feel like I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. Um, I, now I'm going to ask this question because I know a lot of people are going to be thinking it. What about the nerves around going to the bathroom, having to go to the bathroom? Is that the same thing? Like, okay, like if you have to tie your shoe, it's like, okay, what are we going to think? Like if that happens and just being prepared for the possibility, is that helpful? Is that like during the race or before the race? Yeah, like so many people are like one of their one of the things they get the most nervous about is that they're going to have to stop and go to the bathroom mm -hmm. because obviously that's going to take a lot of time and everybody yeah. nobody wants that wants to have that problem. Yeah, I mean, I would still tell that like if that person was my client, I would still tell them have some type of plan and situation of and some of it's gonna, some of it would be you're going to have to kind of assess the situation of like because I've been to I've been in a race before where I needed to go to the bathroom. The I was at New York City Marathon and like the first porta potty, the line was like 30 people. I was like, yeah, I don't need to stop that badly. So <laughs> right. Some of it of like an assessment situation of like, okay, I will, you can't really like measure anything and quantify it, but knowing yourself of like, at some point I will just need to stop. And I have the conversation quite often that a lot of times when you're feeling uncomfortable physically and you're stressed and you're worried about something, like needing to go to the bathroom, you're probably using more energy and essentially not that not that you're slowing yourself down, but a lot of times your overall performance will be better if you just stop and go to the bathroom. Mm. Because you're gonna stop thinking about that as soon as it's over. You're going to feel more comfortable, likely if you're you know, without getting into details, but like it, you're probably changing your gait a little bit. You're just your heart rate's elevated because you're feeling uncomfortable and you maybe you're worried. Like, oh my God, there's too many people or like, can I make it to the next? Like all of that is detracting from your ability to give 100% to your race. Yep. So more times than not, it's going to be better to just go to the bathroom yep. or stop and get that water or retie your, or like whatever it is. Right, right. Put your hair back up in a bun. Like I yeah. just do it. <laughs> oh my God, such a good point. That's so true. Um, all right. And then I always like to end with like final thoughts, a favorite quote, something. Do you have any like favorite quote or or final thoughts you can leave us? Interesting facts, anything you can leave us with uh, before we let you go for the day? Um, I will say one of my mentors in grad school gave us the piece of advice that was just do good work. And that has been like a big kind of life mantra I've had for the last Oh God, like five, 10 years now. Um, and I think it just applies to so many areas of life. So even if it's not a sports psychology quote in the traditional sense, I think it it helps you just focus on doing good work that you're proud of. And I know mm -hmm. so many runners get so caught up in like what other people are doing and part of that social media, Strava, various things, but like just focus on yourself doing the good work that you need to do. And like, 
I just think, I don't know. I think it's kind of like a good guiding light to have. Yeah. Um, I would feel like I should get that like tattooed on myself or something. <laughs> just like. Do so good work. PGW, you could just get like, yeah. yeah. You'd know what it meant. Um, well, okay, so I so now you said that, and of course now I have another question. So um, what is it? Shit, it was a good one too. Do good work and uh I was like, I am gonna ask you something else. Oh, yes, okay. Phew. All right. What are your thoughts on stuff like Strava and social media and like all of that? Like, I know that we're almost out of time, but like please help us. <laughs> God, tell us like, are you, yeah, just what are your thoughts on that? Oh God, I have too many thoughts on that. Uh, if it's helping you, great. If it's not, ditch it. Um, yeah. if it. And it's, again, kind of going back to that like radical self-honesty, not the version that you want to be true, but the version that actually is true. Uh, I don't think that social media is inherently bad. I don't think Strava is inherently bad. I'm on both. I use both. I've definitely had an up and down relationship with Strava. I loved it at first. Um, but then I, I did start to compare myself to a lot of people. And I remember there was a day that was very windy. And this was back when I was triathlon training. And I chose to ride inside on the trainer. And somebody who I was pretty competitive with, I saw that she was out riding and I instantly felt horrible about myself and was like, I need to be tougher. Like I should be outside. And then she later posted that she um, was within like a foot of being uh, like crushed by a tree that fell down. And that was the huge wake up call that I was like, oh, like I did nothing wrong by being inside. If anything, you're, you're the one who did not did something wrong, but like we get so we, we just are comparing ourselves to other people. And it's a lot of times not not helpful, especially if it's someone that you are like racing against to know what they're doing is going to derail you from what you're doing. And I see people who will be really happy with their results until they see like what somebody else. Mm, yeah. And that's a that's an interesting conversation and kind of figuring out what's going on there. But if it's if social media is helping you connect with other people and helping you kind of like process and talk through your thoughts. I know a lot of people that are runners or endurance athletes and their family, it doesn't, not say they don't care, but they don't participate in those sports. They don't really know. And they need someone to talk to about their running. And so you can go on Instagram and just endlessly talk about your running and other people in the community are going to care. Whereas your family might be like, we care and we support you, but we don't really know what you're talking about yeah. with this, this track run right now. Like, so in those ways it can be good, but I think you really need to look at if this is something that's bringing you joy and helping you great <laughs> but if you're spending way too much time on it and it's affecting the way you're seeing yourself your training and you're making adjustments based on those things we need to adjust that relationship yep yep i totally agree and, and it's the same same uh with like the garment and even with strava when it's like mm -hmm. somebody stole your crown or like telling mm -hmm. you like how you're doing like that all can that can all mess with it so i guess it's another one of those like depends on the person if it's helping you great if it's not, you have to be honest with yourself and, you know, turn it off or whatever. I personally am off Strava right now for those reasons. So, yeah, I've debated putting mine as private because I had to take a pretty long break from like running and biking. I hurt my back a couple of years ago and I 
I was getting people that were commenting when I would have like a bike ride or something that was for me pretty slow. And they would be like, what happened? Like, why are you going so slow? And like, I was just like, dude, like, I'm happy I'm out here. Like this is, and they didn't realize that they were being yeah. rude or trying to be, but it was really making me feel pretty badly about myself and what mm -hmm. I was doing. And I was like, I don't want to delete. I don't want to delete it. I don't, I still like the way that Strava kind of sets things up more than Garmin, but yeah, I, I, for a while there had to just kind of yeah. put it on private, kind of remove the social aspect of it because other people's judgment was not helping me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh my God. I have one more question. Don't kill me. Okay. I totally okay. forgot. Yeah. Um, all right. As a coach, like a running coach, are there things that we should be saying more of to our athletes that, that, you know, coaches aren't, coaches aren't doing right now? Is there anything that just like a piece of advice for, for coaches out there? Like how can we help our athletes? Yeah, I'll say two things. One, athletes are very, very self-critical already. So the more praise and positive reinforcement and feedback that you can give throughout the training cycle, like that is warranted, but don't just, you know, we don't need positive praise for every little thing that they've done. Um, but as coaches, we tend to be a little bit more like analytical and I, I, I guess I see this more in sports outside of running, but I, I just see a lot of times coaches are more so providing the feedback and kind of like, here's how you can get better. And a lot of times we're not realizing that we're not giving that much like positive praise or just being like, hey, you really crushed that workout. Good job. Right. Um, and some of that is like we have a negativity bias. So in general, we tend to look at like the negative or what can be improved over the positive. But as athletes, we're very self-critical already. So as coaches, for you to just let that athlete know, like, here's here's something you did really well, actually, and kind of helping with that. Um, yeah. A lot of people take and build confidence from, like, just the self, not the self-talk, but the talk and phrases from the people around them. Mm -hmm. um, so your athletes are going to hear a lot more than probably what you think and listen to that. Um, and then the other piece of advice would just be like, get to know that athlete because every single person is going to need something different, which is a little frustrating at times. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I coach, uh, again, like as a swim coach, my group has 15 kids in it. And if they all came up to me before a race, I would tell each of them something different. Now I see them five days a week. I know that, like, I know them pretty well at this point. I've been with a lot of them for a couple of years. So we have the relationship where I know what they need. Yeah. But everybody is different. And I see a lot of coaches who don't really know. And so they just are like, well, here's what I would want to hear, which is not a bad place to start as opposed to like totally winging it. But it yeah. can be helpful to just talk to that, even just flat out ask, like, hey, before a race, do you want, what do you need to hear from me? Mm. What's going to be helpful? Some, like, just, just ask. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody race, thinks of that. Right. If a race goes really poorly, like beforehand, you can ask them, hey, so you had a really bad race. What do you need from me? In the 24 hours afterwards, do you need just straight compassion? And I know a lot of coaches are like remote and virtual, but do you just need like an ear and some compassion and then we'll do the analysis? Or do you like, what do you need? Because everybody again will be different. They probably don't even know what they need. Well, so yeah, you got to figure that out too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you do learn that as you, mm -hmm. as you get to know athletes and stuff like that, you, you figure yeah. it out just by, you know, you make mistakes and you figure it out, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you are an amazing resource. I know that I love getting your newsletters and all the stuff that you put on an Instagram. So where can people find you? How they can they reach out to you if they want, 
some uh, help and um, yeah, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, so my Instagram and my website are going to be the exact same, um, like the main portion of it. So it's Mulcahy Performance. It's M-U-L-C-A-H-Y Performance. Uh, the website's just mulcahyperformance.com. All the information is there. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on Instagram as well. If you're interested in working with me, I have an interest form and everything is kind of laid out on my website. Um, I'm trying to get better at writing blog posts and just kind of providing a little bit more uh, free education for people. But I do have you know, a weekly newsletter I put out. I have a course for coaches. Someone's alarm is going off, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, learned, I heard this crazy sound and I'm not used to that. So I was like, oh God. Um, <laughs> no, we like a week ago, sorry for my tangent. We like a week ago okay. had like a fire truck in the neighborhood and I was, my brain's just like, Oh geez. Trying to like make sure that there's not like anything crazy happening with fireplaces and yeah, whatever. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Um, no, it's okay. I need to work on my own um focusing skills. Um, <laughs> I count to 10. That. Yeah. I'm usually good, <laughs> but I keep, like random things just get me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so lots of free stuff out there, but then there is um education opportunities to work one-on-one and something I'm hoping, fingers crossed, hoping to have out this year is actually like mental performance training plans for athletes. And obviously they're not going to be hyper, hyper specific, but being able to be like, Hey, you're training for a marathon. Most marathon training plans might be like 16 ish weeks. Here's what at the beginning of your season will be helpful to work on and kind of progressing through to like heavier parts of training, peak weeks, taper race, race analysis, be able to have, here's kind of a general template of what can help you. So hopefully. Awesome. That's really exciting guys. Seriously, you got to get it on her like newsletter or something. So we know when that comes out. That's amazing. Um, all right, cool. I'm going to um, I'm going to hop off and then just we'll do a little closing off. OK. All right. I lost my mouse. Thanks for listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. And now you can also subscribe to hear exclusive content, uncut conversations, and commercial-free episodes released days after they're recorded. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at OneClassyMotherRunner. And to keep up with the show, follow Maybe Running Will Help. Keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help. Have a great run, everybody. Oh, God, this is silly. All right. <laughs> is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Um... What? I hit record a job, you can't ignore it I'm transforming now these cars and planes, I'm always boarding Just out touring down in Charlotte like I play for Hornets When I'm performing, never boring, now you can't afford it Champagne, Perrier, finished friends on my face Looking like I'm from the D, D's no Cartier's Pockets deep, 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 bro, I can make it in my seat, bro Do you, I'm doing me, bro, making noise, use a beat
cake Thought I'd never make it like no way I'm the real deal, no role play My days off, that's no days No, I hustle hard, young rose E.B. the shooter, that's cold case Those on the deals, that's brose Got no pay, you don't no say Okay, this the news, tell them read it Been the one since the fetus Don't sleep on me, Tempur-Pedic That's a no, no, no Spending dope for no reason Got a ball head, Mr. Cleaner Heard the big bags overseas, then We gon' go, go, go Whoa, whoa, I press the button and the 